Welcome to The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore. It is Wednesday, May the 10th, 2023. On this edition of The Politocrat, E. Jean Carroll gets her name back. This is an important win, not just for E. Jean Carroll, but an important win for some women. As I... I'm very pleased about E. Jean Carroll. In this episode, I talk also about black women, brown women, and about native women, among other women, who perhaps still will not receive the kind of justice that E. Jean Carroll got yesterday. All of that coming up next. There may be various audio and other content on this episode of the Politocrat Daily Podcast that some listeners may find triggering or distressing. Listener discretion is advised. We did away with the perfect victim concept. Uh, The perfect victim always screams... She always goes to the place. She always writes the date in her diary. She always folds up and uh, is a sad person. For every woman in the country, this is for you. I think this will help you all uh, be believed. I'm going to use some Tic Tacs just in case I start kissing her. You know, I'm automatically attracted to beautiful. I just start kissing them. It's like a magnet. I don't even wait. And when you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. Whatever you want. Grab them by the pussy. I can do anything. Uh, look at those legs. All I can see is the legs. No, it looks good. Come on, Shorty. Oh, nice legs, huh? Oof, get out of the way, huh? That's a good legs. He came over to congratulate me. He put out his hand, and I said, he did it, and you know it. And then we shook hands, and I passed by. He did it, and you know it. Those are the words of E. Jean Carroll, the writer who, of course, was an advice columnist as well, and quite prominent in the 80s and 90s, especially in New York. E. Jean Carroll yesterday won a battery and defamation civil case against that piece of garbage who was in the White House for four years and who has since been twice impeached and has also been indicted and faces at least five other legal proceedings. Now, this was a really good day yesterday for survivors of rape and other types of violent crime. I think that E. Jean Carroll certainly um, went through so much. And, you know, again, I am really sorry that these horrible things happened to E. Jean Carroll. I am very, very sorry and profoundly heartbroken and sad that any of these kinds of things happens to any woman anywhere in the world. And dear listener, this may have happened to you as well. And I'm sorry that you experienced this if it applies to you. And of course, there are men out there in the world who have experienced this as well. And I am also sorry 
if you are a male listening to this and have experienced this as well. It breaks my heart all the way around. All the way around. What I'm going to be talking about on this episode is obviously E. Jean Carroll's successful case in civil court. I'm going to be talking about some of the other things, though, that I think apply. You're going to be hearing audio from E. Jean Carroll, one of her interviews that she gave this morning on the morning shows. And then I'm going to talk about women, particularly as it pertains to black women, brown women. Because E. Jean Carroll, in the clips that you just heard there, and sandwiched uh, that horrible clip. I'm sorry, I, I had to play that for context because I really think that as distressing, as disturbing as that audio clip was in the middle of those three clips you just heard, I felt that it was necessary to play that. And also to challenge men, and I'm going to get into that as well. But I really want to get a lot more into what something like this, this verdict, means for black women. What it means for brown women. What it means for Native American women. Some might say that it doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot. And quite frankly, I might be inclined, in fact not might, I would be inclined to agree with them. What does this verdict mean for you if you are female and poor? If you're a poor woman. I'm not saying that E. Jean Carroll is a multimillionaire. And I'll get into this in a few minutes. But what I am saying is that she was able to afford, likely I'm sure, to pay her attorney, Roberta Kaplan, high-powered attorney, who used to be part of the Time's Up movement. Now again, this episode is going to get a little bit messy. And not for the first time, dear listener. Because I'm going to try to go to the places that might make you uncomfortable, might make me uncomfortable, quite frankly. But we have to go there. And in digging through that discomfort, maybe we can find some comfort so that we can try to change around this toxic-ass patriarchy that we are all swimming through and surviving and drowning in, I guess, as well. Many things can be true at the same time. Why don't we just start from here, dear listener? And again, thank you very much indeed for being here. It's great to have you aboard on this Wednesday edition of the Political Daily Podcast. This podcast is the one that invites you to think differently. That is the key here for the Politocrat Daily Podcast. And I am definitely very pleased indeed that you could join me on this day or whenever you happen to be listening to this particular episode of the Politocrat Daily Podcast. It is hump day, Wednesday, May the 10th. And um, again, nice to have you aboard on this day. So as you know by now, E. Jean Carroll, the writer and advice columnist and, and author, someone who, again, if you're from New York, you know very well of E. Jean Carroll, prominent. Um, I think her column may have been syndicated back in the day, but she was someone who was very prominent, an advice columnist. I think she had her own talk show as well, briefly in New York. 
and uh, was well known in New York circles as a, a great writer, really, you know, good author, you know, doing all those things and was in the New York scene in that way. As you also know, she wrote a book in, in 2019 and excerpts of it were published in the uh, magazine, New York magazine specifically, um, but went into quite graphic detail about her rape by the piece of garbage in Bergdorf Goodman on Fifth Avenue in New York. I've been to that very Bergdorf Goodman and the rape took place in 1996 as E. Jean Carroll alleges. And as I said, I've been in that very same Bergdorf Goodman. You have to be, well, they will look at you really nasty if you're not wearing lots and lots of expensive clothing. And they will look at you very harshly. I don't know if they still do, but back then in the 90s and the 80s they did. If you are black, forget it. They will treat you, at least they treated me as if I was a criminal. But anyway, look, this is not about me. I'm just providing a little bit of personal context to my connection to that place. I would never walk in there again. But look, that's got nothing to do with E. Jean Carroll. Only, the only thing um, I mention it for is it just happens to be the very same store. But anyway, look, um, let me not uh, try to insert myself uh, into what is a very serious topic. Very serious topic. I mean, insert myself so far as to say, well, I was there too. You know, it's like, yeah, come on. We do this all the time, don't we? Um, we want to try to make a connection and and have a sense of placement in these kinds of very distressing situations. I mean, I think it's a human thing to do, though, as I kind of veer off topic here for a moment. Because when someone passes away, we all want to reconnect to that person some way. So if we happen to meet them, we will maybe include a photograph of that moment that we met the person who has passed away. And I guess for some that might seem like an insensitive thing to do, but it's our way of connecting as human beings back to someone that we actually liked or cared about or got to meet or who may have touched us in our lives some way. Um, You know, that's something as that aircraft flies over. That, you may be able to hear that, but that's something that we do as human beings. I don't necessarily think it's a wrong thing to do, it's what we do. You know, and we want to tell our own stories about how we met someone. I remember this with JFK Jr. I didn't meet him, but I walked past him um, as we were going up and down a New York City subway, up the steps and down the steps. I was going up the steps and he was going down. And it was completely him. It was no one else around but he and I. And I walked, I was jogging up the steps and he was kind of really, you know, rushing down the steps. And I remember he had this um, cream-colored raincoat on London Fog. And I remember back in those days when those were the real thing, those raincoats, those trench coats. And it was clearly him, unmistakably, unmistakably a JFK Jr. You could tell. Clean-shaven. You could see he was handsome, dapper, and he was running down the steps and I don't think he made contact with me but I made contact with him I looked at him I knew that was him instantly I didn't say anything to him and anyway but but the point is is that when he passed away when he was when he died in that horrible situation in the aircraft uh, over East Mariches or Center Mariches off off Long Island in New York 
years ago. That was one of the stories I remember telling people. I think this is before social media as well, but if even if it may or may not have been. But the bottom line is, is that I remember telling people about that. And sometimes I kind of felt, well, is that an insensitive thing to do, to be telling someone? This guy's just died. I mean, does anybody really care about your moment seeing him or meeting? Anyway, but that's a whole nother story. Gosh, I've waffled on here. Let me get back to where I'm supposed to get to. Now, Eugene Carroll published this story. An excerpt was published of, from her book in New York Magazine in 2019. And she was, and I'm not going to go into the graphic detail because it, I think you may find it to be traumatizing. So I will not go into that here. But you are aware of that article. I'm sure some of you are, if you are, dear listener. And it was quite graphic. And she was talking about the good, the uh, the bad guys, the good, the bad, and the ugly in terms of men that she's encountered and experienced. And she went back to her childhood and talked about some some really harrowing and graphic things that happened, you know, and what what she was what was being done to her, what she was doing. It, it's quite a read. I mean, geez, in New York Magazine, I had the article here, but I'm not going to bother reading it. But you can do a search on this uh, at this point. But the bottom line is, is that then in the article, she lists all these men who she had unpleasant, to put it mildly, experiences with. And talked about rape and talked about this piece of garbage who she makes clear raped her. In Bergdorf Goodman. Now, once that excerpt went public, you had the piece of garbage on social media trashing her, lying saying that, quote-unquote, she's not my type. I mean, that's just such a disgusting thing to say. Disgusting. And I'm not going to play you anything out of the deposition that was played where he says, well, well, fortunately or unfortunately, when you're a star, you can get away with these things, fortunately or unfortunately. I mean, this is a disgusting human being. And it, it was really difficult for me to even play the audio you heard from the Access Hollywood tape. But that's the audio you heard there from, what was it, around 2004 or thereabouts. And so, you know, that was bad enough, 2004, 2005. You know, that was bad enough, right? So I'm not going to read the, uh, play you the audio of the deposition where he also mistakes E. Jean Carroll for his wife. Says, oh, oh, that's, that's Marla. And he's actually pointing at E. Jean Carroll in a photo that is very clear. And he says, oh, the photo's blurry. I'm not going to play. I've already given you that without you having to hear his disgusting voice. Now, this guy's a liar. We know he's a liar. We know he's a criminal. We know he's a crook. He's a twice impeached, failed person in the White House. He is a racist. We know he's a misogynist. He's a sexual harasser and abuser. I think he's a rapist. Now, it's not been proven in court, so, you know, I want to make that clear. But I, w I believe the women who have alleged that they raped, that he was, that he raped them. I totally believe him. I tell it's my opinion. You know, I don't have any evidence. And none of this has been put through a court of law. And no jury has come to that conclusion. In fact, the jury yesterday of six 
men and three women, a civil jury, did not find rape in the case that E. Jean Cow brought in the civil suit. Did not find that this piece of garbage raped E. Jean Cow. What they did find, though, is that this piece of garbage sexually abused E. Jean Carroll. And that there was some kind of sexual assault somewhere. Now, for those battery claims that E. Jean Carroll was saying, was alleging, was talking about, this jury gave her two, awarded her $2 million in compensatory damages for those battery claims that she articulated in her civil suit. $2 million. $2 million. Now, the punitive damages that E. Jean Carroll was awarded by this same jury were $200,000. Punitive damages. Those are the kinds of damages for the battery claims. Those are the damages that are intended to punish the person who is alleged to have committed the wrong in civil court. Remember, this is not a criminal trial. So there will not be any prison time for this piece of garbage. But what there will be is paying time for this piece of garbage because he now has to pay $5 million in total damages to E. Jean Carroll. And the defamation portion of the civil case included in that $5 million of damages is $2.7 million for October 2022 statements that the piece of garbage made in either during the deposition itself, I think, or actually on social media. So on social media, defaming Angie E. Jean Carroll. So that's what the reality of this is. $5 million that this piece of garbage has to pay E. Jean Carroll. He has to pay this. Can't get out of it. Can't excuse it. Of course, they're going to appeal. Everybody appeals, though they say they do. But the bottom line is, is this is not going to be overturned on appeal. First of all, there was nothing um, that has been reported or found that the, ju- that the uh, judge acted improperly. There's been nothing in the jury from a jury point of view that's shown any kind of improper jury. The jury was a fair jury. Most of these jurors, and you'll hear this in a few minutes time from Roberta Kaplan. Most of these nine jurors weren't even from New York City. And this happened in New York City. This rape or this sexual battery happened in New York City, happened in Manhattan. And only three of the jurors are from New York City. The other six are from upstate or just outside New York City. So the jury is a fair jury, first of all. It was a jury of their peers. Both sets of attorneys accepted that, including the piece of garbage's attorney, Joe Takapina. He accepted the jury and he actually even praised the jury as you're going to hear from Roberta Kaplan the attorney for E. Jean Carroll he actually praised the jury he had no problem with the jury now he obviously didn't agree with what the jury uh, decided but he didn't have any personal objection to the jurors because both sides uh, both legal teams 
I really hate to say that word too now, both sides, you know, both sides, ooh, both sides. You know, the legal teams for both of these representatives, both of them agreed to the jury. There isn't anything that I know of or have heard that, that gave an improper advantage to anybody. This piece of garbage had an opportunity to testify in person in his own defense. He chose not to. His deposition was played. But he was given multiple opportunities to testify. He was given opportunities several different times. The judge in the case, also last name is Kaplan, no relation to Roberta Kaplan, the attorney for E. Jean Carroll. The judge in this case, Lewis Kaplan, he actually gave Joe Tacopina, the attorney for the piece of garbage, four extra days for his client to be in court in person to testify. Those four days came and went and he didn't testify in person. So obviously, he can't really think that he is that innocent. If you are someone who is innocent of a crime or innocent in a civil case and are not liable in that civil case, you would come and defend your name. You would. You'd defend your name. If you're someone who knows you're guilty as sin, you might expend less energy in trying to defend your name. Now, that doesn't mean that we haven't had a gazillion people who've been put on trial criminally or civilly who are guilty of sin, who aren't guilty of sin, and yet they still stick in there and you know try to defend themselves. Of course there are. We've seen it a million times, right? But when someone is accusing you of rape, someone is accusing you of defamation, which is the smearing of one's, the intentional smearing of one's character, the lying, intentional, the lies. When you lie and you know something to be false and you do that, and that materially hurts someone's reputation and also materially causes others to believe your lie and also therefore de further believe in the degradation of the person you are lying about. So you tell a lie about me, dear listener, and my reputation tanks, but that's not the only part of the harm of defamation. Let's say I am this public figure. You tell a lie about me and you know that what you're saying is not true because that's what a lie is. When you tell a lie, you are intentionally misleading someone. You know that what you are saying as you are saying it is not true. So let's say you said that about me, dear listener. But that is not the only test of defamation that you lied about me. The other test of defamation is did it harm my reputation, what you said? Because you might say that I've got 17 legs. But if that doesn't harm my reputation in any way, if I don't lose my job, if I don't lose this position of respect, 
doesn't matter. You can say I've got 17 legs. I mean, it's a lie. And you know it's a lie. And I know it's a lie. But if it doesn't cause me to hurt my reputation, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. It's if it causes me damage to my reputation and if it also has the effect of the larger general public viewing me in a now unsavory way based upon the lies you have told about me, that also meets the test of what defamation of character is. It's got to be publicized, this lie, which obviously it was in the case of the piece of garbage who was lying about E. Jean Carroll. It's got to make a, a number of people in the public eye or in the public at large, I should say, have a jaundiced view of E. Jean Carroll. And clearly it has, and it did. And it's also, dear listener, got to cause the loss of job, loss of reputation, and all those things. And it clearly did with E. Jean Carroll. She lost her job. She lost all these things. She was attacked and smeared on social media and in all kinds of places. That's what's got to happen here. It's the New York Times versus Sullivan test, really. For public figures. A defamation of character is, that's a civil case, right? That's a civil tort, defamation, right? And so, again, I, I'm an attorney, but I really, you know, I don't spend a lot of time talking about legal concepts necessarily on this podcast. Uh, only when I think it's necessary to do that. But the bottom line is that I know I've probably not described it as clearly as I could. I'm trying to just kind of cut the legal ease out of what I'm saying. But the bottom line is that's what defamation is. And so E. Jean Carroll suffered that and the jury agreed that she did. And so they awarded her $2.7 million based on the October 2022 statement that this piece of garbage made about E. Jean Carroll. And anyway, I'm not going to repeat, obviously, what he said about her. And he continues to say things about her today, which is not surprising given who he is, piece of garbage that he is. So overall, $5 million in damages. What I'm going to do, dear listener, when I come back is play for you the appearance this morning of E. Jean Carroll on one of the morning shows. Yes, it's in the corporate news media. I just wanted to play this, though. I really do, because I think it's important. So let us indeed uh, do that. And here we go as far as this is concerned. And I think it's just really important that this um, be heard. Uh, I want to play this because this is going to be coming up right after the break. In fact, I'm going to go straight to the audio right after the break. So stay with me here. You're listening to the Politocrat Daily Podcast with yours truly, Omar Moore, on this Wednesday, May the 10th, 2023. Whenever you happen to be listening, I'll be right back. It doesn't happen like we think it does. No one rolls the tanks. 
no armies meet in pitched battle. It happens quietly, little by little. And because so many think it can't happen, it does happen. Little by little, the rules change. It doesn't seem shocking or sudden. And that's the point. Fewer places to vote, longer lines. Don't worry, they say. We're just improving the system. They hope we won't notice the rules are changing because they lost the last election. They hope we just won't care enough to stop them. They believe they can take America away from us. And we won't even notice. We know who they are. We know what they want. The question is, who are we? Do we let them get away with it? Or do we fight? Democracy is on the ballot. Vote while your vote still counts. The Lincoln Project is responsible for the content of this advertising. There may be various audio and other content on this episode of the Politocrat Daily Podcast that some listeners may find triggering or distressing. Listener discretion is advised. Tricked by a New York City jury finding Donald Trump liable for sexual abuse and defamation. The unanimous decision was handed down after less than three hours of deliberation. Trump now must pay $5 million in damages to writer E. Jean Carroll. And E. Jean Carroll joins us now along with her attorney, Roberta Kaplan. Good morning to you both. Good morning. Uh, how are you feeling this morning, Eugene? I feel uh, on top of the world. I feel uh, uh, yesterday was the happiest day of my life. Was it? How come? <laughs> what was the feeling? Because uh, the former president had smeared me uh, so badly and so evilly and with such malice and such spite uh, that it wasn't until yesterday I got back up on my feet and felt my name is back and Robbie Kaplan got it back for me. There are a lot of people who wondered why you would bring this case, not just because of, of the time, but because you know you're uh, from New York, you understand who Donald Trump is, you know how he fights, you knew it was mm. going to be ugly, You everything you just laid out, you knew that's what was going to happen. He's still doing it this morning. Right. So why was it so important to you? And indeed, why was it worth it to you to bring this case? Well, I didn't come forward at the time. Right. Uh, it took me a long time to get over feeling shame, mm. believing it was my fault. I was frightened he would strike back. He did. I was frightened I'd lose my job. I did. And then the ASA was passed in New York uh, State. And it gave us a nudge uh, and the ability to hold him accountable for the rape. So that's why we did it. I understand you had an exchange with Donald Trump's attorney, Joe Tacopina, after the jury delivered its verdict. Yeah. What did you say to each other? Joe is extremely likable. Um, uh, and so, of course, he is congratulating Robbie, uh, Sean, uh, Mike, the whole team. And my turn came up. He put out his hand. And I looked him in the eye. I said, he did it. And you know it. And then we shook hands and I went on by. Did he say anything back to you? He's, he's extremely charming. He smiled and, you know. Uh, 
we got through it. Robbie, we were uh, playing a, a bunch of the deposition you took for Donald Trump, which was so damning in so many ways. As you look now on the other side of this, having won for E. Jean, what was decisive, do you believe, in the eyes of the jury? I think that deposition video had a lot to do with the verdict. Mm. I think they saw in that video who Donald Trump is, what he believes, and how he acts, and he said it in his own words. And I think that had a huge impact on the jury in this case. Listen, John, real quickly to the piece of the deposition that gets at the Access Hollywood tape. Let's watch. And you say it again, this has become very famous in this video. I just start kissing them. It's like a magnet. Just kiss. I don't even wait. And when you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. Grab them by the You can do anything. That's what you said, correct? Well, historically, that's true with stars. It's true with stars that, that they can grab women by the Well, that's what it's if you look over the last million years, I guess that's been largely true. Not always, but largely true. Unfortunately or fortunately. And you consider yourself uh, to be a star. I think you can say that, yeah. Fortunately or unfortunately, he's talking about sexual abuse there. Uh, also, there was a moment that was incredibly damning where Donald Trump, who has said that E. Jean Carroll was not his type, looked at a photograph of E. Jean Carroll and identified it as his ex-wife, Marla Maples. We have in front of you a black and white photograph that we've marked as DJT23. And I'm going to ask you, is this the photo that you were just referring to? I think so, yes. And do you recall when you first saw this photo? At some point during the process, I saw it. That's, uh, I guess, her husband, John Johnson, who was an anchor for ABC. Nice guy, I thought. I mean, I don't know him, but I thought he was pretty good at what he did. Um, I don't even know who the woman. Let's see. I don't know who. It's Marla. You say Marla's in this photo? That's Marla, yeah. That's that's my wife. Which woman are you pointing to? No. Here. Carol. Oh, is that? The oh, person well. you just pointed to was oh, Eugene Carroll. Who is that? Who is this? And the person, the woman on the right is your then wife. I don't Ivana? know. This was the picture. Oh. I assume that's John Johnson. Is that that's Carol? Because it's very blurry. So, Robbie, in that moment, do you know you have him? Yeah, kind of. Uh, I, I one of the things I said to the jury yesterday was, remember, it's so classic Donald Trump. He, he makes the mistake in the photo. He realizes the mistake because the attorney tells him, and then he lies. What does he say? He says it's blurry. The same photo that you guys were just looking at was the photo he saw. There's nothing blurry about that photo. So Donald Trump today, Eugene, is still on Truth Social, uh, still denying that he's ever met you, saying that you're, you know, you are still, you are still lying. Uh, tell us a little bit about how important this was, perhaps for you as an individual, but also for for women writ large in a moment oh. like this who you know and so many of them not just in relation to donald trump but against when they have something like this happen to them by any man oh that this is what really this it's a victory uh really not really for me it's for every woman because we did away with the perfect victim concept mm. uh the perfect victim always screams she always goes to the police. She always writes the date in her diary. She always folds up and uh, is a sad person. Uh, we smash that concept. And uh, so for every woman in the country, this is for you. I think this will help you all. 
be believed. So, Robbie, we, you know, Trump has also threatened again this morning to appeal. Uh, walk us through what you think that will look like and how long it could take. We certainly will know uh, that Donald Trump's legal strategy is to try to kick things down the road as long as he can. Yeah, so that's exactly right. He, he has a right to file appellate papers. He will definitely do that. He has no good arguments, though. And the courts are already very familiar with his strategy just mentioned of delay, delay, delay. So I don't think they're going to be able to do it. He's going to be able to delay very much here. I'd expect top six months to a year, maybe even sooner, if we can get them to expedite. So, Robbie, I want to ask you about jury selection. And it's important because of the reaction we've seen from supporters of Donald Trump yesterday and again this morning where they say, well, of course, it was a New York jury. Of course, they were out to get Donald Trump. Give Marco Rubio, who's an attorney, went to law school, who said that jury is a joke. Just suggesting that we should ignore this because it's a New York jury. You had uh, Tommy Tuberville, a senator from Alabama, this morning say this makes me want to vote for Donald Trump twice. And of course... It was a New York jury. Can you talk a little bit about the jury, six men and three women? Well, let me say two things about that. First of all, during his opening argument, Mr. Trump's lawyer, Mr. Takapina, praised the jury system. He said how great the court system was, how it's the bedrock of our democracy, and how he wanted everyone in the courtroom to know that that was their view. So number one, those senators are contradicting what Donald Trump's own lawyer said. Number two, this was not a New York City jury. I think we had one juror from the Bronx, one juror from Manhattan, all the rest were from Westchester and North. Um, We had, as you pointed out, we had three women, six men, mostly working class people. These are the people who are supposed to be Trump voters, not New York City sophisticates. I think that's important to underline because the the argument we're hearing is, well, yeah, it's a bunch of libs from Greenwich Village or whatever, but they weren't all from New York City. Only two were from New York City out of nine. So what is your reaction, Eugene, when you hear comments like that from supporters who I guess we shouldn't be surprised, but reflexively run to the defense of Donald Trump, kind of saying we should dismiss this? You know what? I, I don't hear it. I am so full of happiness and joy. I am putting that out of my mind. And I know Robbie's going to take care of it. We have uh, Alexi McCammon with us of Axios with a question for you. Alexi? Hi, Eugene. It's good to see you, and I appreciate the opportunity to chat with you. Uh, First, I'm sorry for all that you've been through, and I'm sorry that none of these Republican statements even acknowledge uh, some of the awful situations that women like yourself and across the country have gone through. Critics, of course, say in situations like this, oh, you're just doing this for financial gain, and that's what you have to gain out of this. I wonder if you could speak to what it is that you actually gain and also what you lose by going through this. Uh, it's not, Alexia, it's not about the money. Not right. about the money. It was totally, 100%, to get my name back and to, for all women in the country, uh, to step forward and prove our case so more women like me can be believed. Yeah. Remember, not women don't come forward because we're afraid nobody's going to believe us. Well, we just got a whopping win in, in a major trial. And what's happening? People don't believe it because it's a da-da-da jury. But I think, we've, I think it was a big victory for us. And I wonder if, to that point, because of this widespread disbelief that's still happening among the right and with some men, that 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 actually might prevent other women from coming forward because they're watching that and seeing that and feeling like 
What's the point of coming forward if all these men are still saying not only is she lying, but the entire judicial system is now rigged against them and in favor of women? Okay, I used to believe that. I was born in the silent generation. We put our chins up and we went right ahead with a smile on our face. I have since learned we cannot stay silent. The more women who speak up, the more women will speak up. And the more women will speak up, we can change this entire culture of sexual violence. And we can start to put an end to it. Part of that, as you pointed out, is ending this idea of a perfect victim. Uh, that everyone does all the right things. So I'll put to you, because most of our viewers didn't have the benefit of being in that courtroom, some of the things you were asked, which is, well, you went back to Bergdorf's a bunch uh, of times. Well, you said you like Celebrity Apprentice and on and on. How do you explain that piece of it, which is that, as you said, it took until your book in 2019 to come out with it and that you, at least to the, the attorneys representing Donald Trump, well, you said you kind of liked them. You liked his show. Yeah. How, do you, how do you address that? See, here's the thing. I'm, I'm like a normal woman leading a normal life. I had loves. I have hates. Uh, I enjoy my life. Uh, I kept private about some of the hurt that I had been through and which he had caused me. Uh, but... I was allowed to have a little happiness. And Joe Pacatina, for three days on the, uh, uh, on the as I uh, told my story, as he ripped me to shreds, uh, he kept, it might as well have been the 17th century. Uh, you know, why didn't you scream? Why did you laugh? Why didn't you report right away? Why didn't you write it down on your dad? Over and over and over and over. It was like we were back four or five hundred years. It was amazing. So I hope, I hope, I think maybe we made a dent uh, that we we're going to stop this kind of ridiculous, old-fashioned, out-of-date, dumb attack against women. So, Robbie, what message do you think this sends that the, that the jury heard your case, agreed with you, said yes? It's more likely than not that this happened. What she said happened. What does it do for other victims? So I think it sends exactly the message that Mr. Trump's lawyer said in his opening, that we have a democracy, that in our democracy, the court system is the bedrock of our government and of our republic and our constitutional democracy, that no one, literally no one, not even Donald Trump, is above the law, and that a jury in New York comprised of people mostly outside of New York City, found that he lied and that he abused Eugene Carroll and other women, I hope, can be as courageous as she was over the past two weeks and stand up and say the truth. So, Eugene, what should happen next? Because it's not just that Donald Trump is an ex-president. He is the current frontrunner for the Republican nomination. He's leading nearly every poll. What should happen to him going forward? I, I can't even begin to imagine... Uh, I, to me, this is not about politics. This is about our big win for all women. I really, uh, Robbie will have to answer that. <laughs> I'm just a country lawyer, so I don't, I don't uh, comment on politics. We show sometimes, yeah. <laughs> Eugene, did you ever have any doubts about bringing this, even if you, you, it was in the book, you put it out there. Do you ever have any doubts about pursuing it as a legal matter, only because of you knew the incoming you were going to take. You knew that your foe, Donald Trump, was going to breathe fire back at you and make up lies about you and defame you. Did you ever have moments of doubts sitting in the kidding? office with Robbie? Are you kidding? I had doubts every single day. I had four or five times a day. Thinking, what the heck are we trying to pull off here? What are we trying? And Robbie, 
just determined, just putting one step right in front of the other. It was, it was brilliantly done. We just kept going. That's the secret. You don't give up. What did you tell her in those moments of doubts, Ravi? I, I didn't really have to tell you much, Eugene. You might have felt them, but you didn't express them to yeah. me. Okay. Uh, I, sold, I told some of the people on our team that we had to buck it up, and yeah. I said, it, to quote Lucinda Williams, that he wasn't going to be able oh. to take your joy. Mm. That's right. Well, it's an extraordinary day. Congratulations to you both. And Thank I think it both. serves as, as an example to a lot of women who are watching right now. Eugene Carroll, Roberta Kaplan. Thank you both for being here. We Thank appreciate you. it. Thank you. So there you have it, dear listener. That is the entirety of an interview this morning. It was on uh, Morning Joe. Uh, look, I play that for a couple of reasons. And again, I am somebody who uh, I know I know you find this hard to believe by now because of all the clips, but. I don't watch the corporate news media in general, in terms of the news media in general. Um, these clips, this one was obtained from the NBC News website. I mean, it's still watching corporate news media. The reason I play that to you is to give you, A, um, the audio of what E. Jean Carroll had to say less than 24 hours after this civil verdict came back in her favor. And I'm very happy for her. I'm sorry that these things happened to her. I'm sorry that they've happened to any woman or any man for that matter on this planet. Perhaps yourself as well, if it applies to you as well, dear listener. These are horrible things. These affect what happened to E. Jean Carroll, what happens to any woman in this society, any woman listening to me right now, affects that person for the rest of their lives. And at the end of the day, that is what we must understand and what we must never forget. You may have heard in that 15 minutes or so questions about, oh, the Republicans aren't backing him. You know, the, Re the Republicans are saying things like, well, I'll vote for him twice. You know, yeah, Tommy Tuberville's a piece of garbage. Surprise, surprise. And other people like Lindsey Graham and, you know, and Marco Rubio and all these pieces of garbage. defend. You know what? I don't think that it helps to be asking E. Jean Carroll those questions. So, you know, I'm going to critique that. I'm going to critique the the two men interviewing her, two white men interviewing her. I'm not saying that a man of any background can't interview a woman. I'm not trying to say that. When it comes to these matters, though, and you may sound, this may sound patronizing to you, I think it's better that a female anchor do that interview. Although, again, on the other hand, we've seen some very insensitive women asking questions of other women. Well, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? I've seen a million of them interviews, too. So, look, there are some women who are, you know, female anchors on these news programs who are just as insensitive, if not even more so, than some of the men asking these questions in these interviews. So let, let me stipulate that for the record as well. Bottom line here, though, is that the Republicans are scumbags and we don't need to be injecting more of that into these kinds of matters. I'm very happy for E. Jean Carroll. 
And you heard her attorney, Roberta Kaplan. I'll talk about her a little bit later on, separately. But... E. Jean Carroll said that this is a victory for all women. This is a victory for women everywhere. And I know... Am I mansplaining here? You be the judge. I don't think it is a victory for all women. I honestly don't. It's definitely a victory for E. Jean Carroll. It's a victory for some women. But do I think it's a victory for all women? Do I think that? No, I've got to be honest, I don't. It ain't a victory for black women. It ain't a victory for brown women. It ain't even a victory for a lot of white women who may not be economically similarly situated. It's not a victory for Asian women. It's not a victory for Native American women. It's not a victory for Latinos. Latinas, rather. It's not a victory for trans women. Here's what my point is, dear listener. If this piece of garbage who is twice impeached, indicted, has all these other cases against him, has all these proceedings, is going to be indicted again this summer in Georgia. The Fulton County DA, Forney Willis, is going to indict his backside, right? He's going to be found uh, to be liable for January 6th. That's my prediction. Jack Smith's uh, special investigation, independent prosecutor, He's got the stuff going on with the documents as well, the generate the documents that he stole, allegedly stole. Look, the doc, the documents, the presidential documents shouldn't be anywhere near him. So he obviously took them, right? How do they get there by osmosis? He's going to be in trouble for that, right? So I mean, there's at least a few others, and Eugene Carroll even has another case on him. Here's my point. If Donald, yeah, I mentioned his name. If he did this to a black woman, right? Do you think that the jury would have come back with the same verdict that they did for E. Jean Carroll? I really, really don't know the answer to that, but I kind of think I do know the answer to that. The answer would be hell no. Presumably. That's what I think. Now, look, I could end up being wrong. Now, Bill Cosby, remember Amanda Constant? She got a verdict. I think it was a second trial of Bill Cosby, whatever it was. I think the first one was a mistrial. I'm, again, this is the top of my head. Amanda Constant won that case, right? And so it was a criminal case, sexual harassment and battery, I think it was, and... Bill Cosby was sentenced to prison for that, right? As I understand, I think he's been released since then. Amanda Constant is a black woman, right? Or some people say biracial woman. Bill Cosby, we know he's black and we know that he is despicable. The question is, is if Amanda Constant was the woman that this piece of garbage did these heinous things to, 
alleged rape, sexual battery, assault, all the rest of it. These violent, violent crimes. Because they're all violent crimes, right? These are, this is, these are crimes of violence. These are crimes of power. These are crimes of force, right? It's, never, it's not about sex. It's about power. It's about violence, if Amanda Constant or any other black woman had been in that position, in that department store, I want to know if you think the same jury would have given the damages to that black woman. Oh, just asking. And here's another thing to consider. Most women in the world are not rich. Most women in the country are not rich here in the United States. They're not. Most men aren't either. I'm not saying that E. Jean Carroll's rich, as I said earlier, but what I am saying is that E. Jean Carroll can afford or could afford. She's someone in the public eye, public spotlight. She can afford or at least have the funds or someone have the funds to afford a high-powered attorney like Roberta Kaplan. The average person the average white woman, quite frankly, the average black woman, the average Asian woman, the average Latina, the average Native American woman, the average woman of any background, average trans woman, cannot afford the kind of money that will be required to put a high-powered legal team together to put a high-powered attorney like Roberta Kaplan out there advocating for you. So as we always and often have seen, the people who are best positioned to get justice are people who have lots of money. We've seen this with O.J. Simpson, although some would not call that justice. But if it wasn't for him getting high-powered attorneys, Johnny Cochran, who has now passed away, Carl Douglas, Robert Shapiro, Barry Sheck. I remember all these names, and this is almost 30 years ago now. I remember them all, you know, so my aunt, Carl Douglas, if I didn't mention his name already. Even freaking uh, that piece of garbage, Dershowitz was on his case. If O.J. Simpson didn't have those kinds of means, I know he says he's bankrupt now, whatever. But if he didn't have that kind of money and largesse and that fame, he wouldn't have been able to be acquitted. No chance in America would it have happened. No way. A black man? Are you kidding? And two white people killed? Are you freaking kidding me? Come on now. Let's be honest. And so, while I am so happy for E. Jean Carroll, the idea that this is a victory for all women is a misnomer. And you may call me a mansplainer, you may call me a party pooper, but I'm simply saying, whatever you choose to call me, hopefully it's something nice. But it, but what I'm trying to, and this is a serious topic, I don't mean to be try, making snide comments, and, but the, what I'm saying here, dear listener, and thank you for putting up with my rambling for this, for this episode, it's not the first time I've done that, what I'm trying to say here is, I think it's a little bit presumptuous, and I know she's obviously elated with the verdict, she said it's the happiest day of her life yesterday was. I, I can't put myself in her shoes because obviously it was heinous what was done to her. 
I believe her. I think she was absolutely raped. I think this piece of garbage did it. I think there's no question about it. This guy has a freaking track record of, of what, a gazillion women who have come out and credibly accused him of all these disgusting things that he's done. I do think it's a bit presumptuous to say it's a victory for all women, though. It's a victory for some women. I think it's a victory for women who can afford illegal uh, represent. Uh, I think it's a victory for women who can afford legal representation. That's what I think. Who I think it's a victory for. That's who I think it's a victory for. That I I will say. But is it a victory for all women? I don't think so. The average woman that you see in a bar who's a bartender who has been suffering six years of abuse and sexual harassment from either male patrons or from male supervisors and bosses and co-workers who is getting two dollars of tips if she's lucky. And I'm not talking about tips from drinks, just tips. Is she there's getting, you know, barely a few dollars of tips from the bar? I don't think it's a victory for that woman. I don't think it's a victory for the woman who is working 12-hour shifts, who's got two jobs and has a kid at home and has to do all this. I don't think it's a victory for her who's barely scraping a penny together. Don't think it's a victory for her. Because you've got to understand that, yes, there are some celebrities who get vindicated, and I'm so glad that E. Jean Carroll as a writer uh, has got that, as a person has got that. But the average person, the average woman on this planet in this particular country called the U.S. of A. is not getting any kind of vindication. She won't get her day in court. She won't get a settlement even. What she will get is a pink slip telling her, you're out of here. And she will have to find another job. Her reputation will be in tatters. She will be traumatized for life. She won't get $5 million. She won't get $5. And so that's the reality here. Because sexual harassment and all other forms of violence against women go on every day in this country and around the globe. And those are the realities that we must also never forget. And not just never forget them, but also actively get out there and send a message to those who seem to have forgotten that this violence by men against women is not going to be tolerated and we're going to speak up about it. And we're going to push our local politicians and find out what the hell they're doing about it and demand that they do something about it. What legislation are they putting up locally or in the state Senate or in the state assembly or in the state house or in the Congress or in the U.S. Congress? Where is it? I want to see it. Demand it. How are you voting on it? That's how we get involved. How we have to teach boys and men that they cannot get away with this piece of garbage and his mentality. Because that mentality that you heard in the clip right near the beginning of this podcast, is the men- this episode, is the mentality that a lot of men and some women have. I've seen and heard of so many women, many women, a cross-section, not many. Let me just re- revise that. There is a certain sub- subset of women who have no empathy toward E. Jean Carroll, toward any person 
who is a survivor of rape or of any kind of other violence on their person. There are some women who are very cavalier about this. Oh, she got what she deserved. She's a hoe. She, I've heard, the, and excuse me for saying that, I've heard this come out of the mouths of women. And I'm not talking about stuff on social media that I see. I'm talking about with my own two eyes and my own two ears in front of me, hearing women saying that. Some of them saying that to me. And I've had to push back on it. Just like I have against men who have said the same damn things. That is the reality of the world we are living in. And even that piece of garbage says something that was actually true, except for the last portion of what he said. I'm going to revisit that. And by the way, I'm sorry that I did. Um, I forgot that those two pieces of the deposition were replayed in the interview that you just heard. And I said I wasn't going to do that. And I apologize. But remember the clip in that 15-minute segment where you heard part the second portion of the deposition that was excerpted, where he says, oh, well, I'm a star, and, well, yeah, you know, for a million years, stars have been able to do this, fortunately or unfortunately. Well, the fortunately or unfortunately part is despicable, right? He thinks it's okay to do this. The thing that he is correct about is that for decades and decades, men have done this, not just in Hollywood, but any given man has done it, right? Not every man, but any given man has freaking well done something like this. Whether it's grab a woman's private private parts, whether it's... No, look, I don't have to go... I don't have to be here to re-traumatize you. If you are a woman listening to me right now, you have had some man at some point in your life catcall you, sass you, say something inappropriate, uncomfortable, disgusting, insensitive to you. God forbid you've had someone force themselves on you. I don't need to go down that road again and open up those wounds for you. That piece of garbage is right about the fact that, yeah, there's all kinds of crap that goes on in Hollywood or everywhere else with abuse. Just look at all the cases we've come to know over the last God knows how many years, right? Cheryl Lee Ralph has talked about this recently with someone, and I believe his name is Judge Joe Brown, right? And she alleged that he stuck his tongue down her throat. I know of people who've gone through this kind of thing, what these men do, it's disgusting. And we, if you are a man listening to me right now, I'm talking to you, dear listener, if you are a man listening, you and I have to do a damn sight better job of not only speaking up, but doing something against all of this male garbage that is, pervades this planet as it pertains particularly as it attains to attacks on women and girls. We have to be vocal and we have to get involved in letting these men know that this is unacceptable behavior. And we have to start educating other men and other boys. 
And it cannot be about, well, what if your mother, what if your wife, what if your daughter? No, 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 no. This is not about your wife or your daughter or your mother or your sister. This is about you as an individual making it clear, free of anything else, that this is heinous, it is wrong, and we have to stand up and we have to speak up and we have to make sure that we educate men and boys. That's what this is about. I just can't stand it when these men sit up here and go, well, you know, my daughter, I have three daughters. Uh, it's not about your daughters. It's like what AOC said, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, the Congress person out of New York, who once said, you know, having daughters doesn't make you virtuous. And she's absolutely correct. It doesn't matter. Having a sister doesn't make you virtuous. That is not the shield upon which you get to hide behind if you're a man. If you are male, you don't get to hide behind that. You need to disentangle yourself and on your own two feet and on your own terms, stand up unequivocally and say what's wrong is wrong. That's what the point is here. That's what the point is. And so that's the charge. What I am also saying, dear listener, in no uncertain terms, is that this is not a victory for all women. I, I don't agree with that. Might be harsh me saying it that way, but I don't agree with that. The average woman in this country or any other country is not going to get $5 million in damages. Now, it may encourage a woman, this verdict, civil verdict, may encourage a woman to speak up. And I think in that way, I agree with E. Jean Carroll. In that way, it is a victory, symbolic or otherwise, because maybe there will be women out there, whether rich or poor, who might be more encouraged to come forward. However, for me, and listen, I'm a man talking, so what the hell do I know? In the grand scheme of things, I don't know that it will. I don't know that it will. Because if you, in fact, I'd say it wouldn't, because if you don't have money to have a high-powered attorney like a Roberta Kaplan, like a, name the attorney, right? The late Johnny Cochran, you know, David Boys, all these high-powered people. If you don't have that kind of money to hire them as your attorney, Gloria Allred, although I don't think she tries cases, she is much more of a, a consulting attorney to the survivors of, of uh, physical, you know, of, of violent, of physical violence, of, of rape, which is violence. It's violence. That's why I really hate using the word sexual anywhere near this, because it ain't sex. It ain't sex. And I fight with people all the time about that. Not all the time. I fight with people, you know, not physical fight, but I fight with people about that terminology because I really don't think any the word sex comes into any of this because it, it doesn't. And I really wish instead of the word sexual battery, just use the word battery or violence because that hits home, I would think, harder than you saying sexual assault. There's nothing sexual about any of this. It's all about violence and it's about power. 
And that's where we have to, we, we I can't even say, that's where we have to rewire our brains. And this culture needs to, well, the culture is never going to, we're going to have to do that and then affect the culture. Because there's no way you can tell me there's anything sexual about this. And yet we keep repeating that word, sexual, 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 sexual. I mean, it's not sex. I mean, the word sexual can be found in Marvin Gaye's song, Sexual Healing. So how in the F are we talking about this being sexual assault? Now, you may take argument and take, you know, you can take an issue with me on this, dear listener. But I am very, very against using the word sexual anywhere near any of this. And I actually rail against it, as you can tell. I, uh, I hate that. I hate it. I truly do. This is violence. And as the minute that we start talking about it that way, the sooner we talk about it that way, the better. The better. I do hate to rain on the parade here. But I do think that the idea that every woman is now going to be benefited by this. I, 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 listen, I'm just being honest with you because that's the only way I know how to be. I don't think that's going to happen. There's been no conversation in the corporate news media, surprise, surprise, about black women, about brown women, about poor white women, about white women who just don't have the kind of means or celebrity that E. Jean has, or any black woman who doesn't have the means to that, or anyone else. No discussion about the average bartender, the average waitress, the average person who's bagging groceries, the average person who happens to be uh, doing construction work, the average person who, I mean, didn't go down a list, who works in a store, and some man comes along and, come on, come on. I mean, CNBC, for God's sake, um, got rid of, I guess they terminated our contract. I don't know if it's mutual consent or whatever, but there's a, there's a reporter there who has made claims of sexual harassment against the now, the now ex-president of CNBC, right? Jim Shells or whatever the hell his name was, is. And she, ends, she has to leave now. And that's someone who's got money. I, I really, you know, again, that's the only thing. Look, I'm not trying to trample on. I know it sounds like I am trampling on the joy of uh, E. Jean Carroll. I, I'm, no, 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 no. Au contraire, dear listener. Au contraire. I'm, I'm very happy for her. That took a lot of guts to do that, whether you're famous or not. It takes a lot of guts and courage to put yourself out there on the line like that and be so vulnerable like that. Uh, in this society that hates women of any background, in this society that demonizes trans women, especially black trans women and black women at large, oh my God, it takes a lot of courage for any woman, be they black, white, Latina, Asian, Native American, to, to sit up there, whether she's rich or poor, and really open her heart and soul up in all these painful places that she has to go to and, and get all this nastiness back from some women and many men and put yourself out there like that and risk not getting anything out of this. 
And it was for her to clear her name, as she said in the audio there, E. Jean Carroll, to clear, clear her name. And your name is all you got in this country. I know people say it's the money. The money is all you got. No, 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 no. It's your name and your freaking reputation. And if you don't have that, you got nothing. You got nothing. Because the money is not what makes you a hero in this country. It's your name and your reputation. Who you are. What kind of character do you got? That is your reputation and that is what counts. And if someone besmirches that tomorrow, if someone besmirches your reputation tomorrow, you could be out of a job. You could be out of your line of work. No one hires you. What if you're one of the central, the uh, exonerated five? Now, they are, some of them are seeing better times than previously, but they're not. I'm sure they're not exactly where they'd like to be in their lives. What if you're one of the exonerated five and you can't get hired for a job? You're falsely accused and you can't get hired. Your reputation's gone. Like I said, it's your reputation that counts in this country. It's not just the money. It's not about, I mean, of course, America is about the damn money. But damn, individually, you and me, dear listener, it's about our rep. Our reputation is what counts. And if yours or mine gets besmirched tomorrow, then what? You can't get a job. You can't get access to this or that or the other. You're falsely accused. You're falsely, you're told that you're this. You're told that you're that. Some punk lies about you. And then that gets back to employers and then you are in a world of hurt. There may be various audio and other content on this episode of the Politocrat Daily Podcast that some listeners may find triggering or distressing. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back. So finally on this episode, I want to talk about Roberta Kaplan and how complicated, or I should say how messy, um, some of this can be. Now, look, I, I think Roberta Kaplan's an excellent attorney. Her reputation precedes her. I mean, just go look at kaplanheckler.com. Excuse me, kaplanhecker.com. K-A-P-L-A-N-H-E-C-K-E-R.com. Go look at that website. Look at uh, all of the honors and all the things that she's done. What she's, she's a partner in her own law firm there, Kaplan, Hecker, and Fink, LLP. Um, she's a top-notch attorney. She's one of the best top attorneys in the country. She's a New York lawyer, uh, seasoned. Um, look, go read the page if you want to read it, right? She's represented E. Jean Carroll and done so successfully. Um, she's, she cares about uh, people who are survivors. Um, you know, she's tremendous. She's a tremendous attorney. Now, here's the thing. She also had to resign from Time's Up. The Remember that group Time's Up? And that that was revealed to be a complete fraudulent organization in terms of, well, not completely fraudulent, but fraudulent, right? Um, the stuff that was going on with Time's Up, 
and some of the tentacles and the unholy people who were involved with that. The whole situation with the celebrities and, you know, uh, anyway, I, I don't want to really relitigate that whole thing. Although you can. Um, well, here's what I will do. I will read you part of this. Roberta Kaplan in 2000 and this is really important, right? Because I believe in context, dear listener, and this is not to besmirch anything around E. Jean Carroll. What I'm simply saying to you, dear listener, is, is that this is a really messy thing. And I would be less than honest with you and less than contextual with you if I didn't tell you what the other context is. Is because two things can be true at once. I know, I know. It's a line that I've heard and I repeat it too. But two things, in fact, 10 things, a million and one things, a million and 10 things can be true at once, all at the same time. You can have someone as brilliant a legal mind as Roberta Kaplan do an excellent job representing E. Jean Carroll in a civil suit. And you can also have Roberta Kaplan be somebody who defended an aide connected to Andrew Cuomo and connected and have ties to Andrew Cuomo. You can still be the same Roberta Kaplan, right? Someone who is brilliant and someone who was involved in discrediting a woman. And I know the woman that they're speaking about here, the New York Times. That would be Lindsay Bolin. I may have pronounced her name wrong. By the way, full disclosure, Lindsay Bolin, B-O-Y-L-A-N, and I follow each other on Twitter. And... I think she's at Lindsay Bolin. L-I-N-D-S-A-Y-B-O-Y-L-A-N. I'm not sure. And there's a new, numerous ways to, to spell the word, the name Lindsay, by the way. And so Lindsay Bolin received so much vitriol. She worked in Governor Cuomo's office in New York, here in New York, not in here in New York, but in New York State, right? Worked in his office, ran for office herself, right? And some of the venom and the and the attacks and the harassment that she got, the harassment that she got was disgusting. She's been open about it. She's talked about it, right? And this guy, Governor Cuomo at the time, was found to have sexually harassed 11 women. 11 women. One woman is one too many. It's a, it's a report that came out that found that he sexually harassed at least 11 women. And Roberta Kaplan, who has ties with, at the time, had ties, may still have, ties with Governor Andrew Cuomo of New York, she had to resign from Time's Up. Here's the article, Jody Cantor. You ever heard that name before? That's the Jody Cantor, as in Jody Cantor and She Said, the book that she co-wrote with Megan Toohey, both of whom are New York Times writers. And here is Jody Cantor, J-O-D-I Cantor, K-A-N-T-O-R, with Michael Gold, August the 9th, 2021. Roberta Kaplan, who aided Cuomo, resigns from Time's Up. Miss Kaplan, a prominent progressive lawyer, was involved in an effort to discredit a woman who had accused Governor Andrew Cuomo of sexual harassment, a report said. The woman in question is Lindsay Bolin. I think she's a really good person. I like Lindsay. 
And yes, I do follow her on Twitter. And it's not because I only follow her on Twitter. I think she's a decent human. I really think she's a nice person. I really do. And I'm really sorry about what happened to her, as I am any woman who's listening to me right now on this podcast episode. I, I really, it breaks my heart. It really does. And what I will continue to do, instead of only sitting here with my heart broken, I will actually advocate. I do do that kind of thing. Because uh, I actually don't think that a woman wants to hear any man say, well, I'm so, I mean, it does, it offers a little bit of empathy. It shows you're empathetic. But I think, I believe that we are charged with the responsibility of not only being empathetic. That's important. It's necessary. But you have to be active. You have to stand up and affirmatively denounce this heinous, heinous, heinous behavior. And also you've got to actively get yourself involved in terms of educating men and boys. And standing up full square. That's what you have to do. Especially if you're male. Especially if you're male. That's what has to happen. Listen to this. This is part of this article from August the 9th in the New York Times, 2021. The fallout from a damaging report found Governor Andrew Cuomo sexually harassed 11 women. By the way, just a few days after this article, Governor Cuomo resigned in 2021. That's why you now have Kathy Hochul in office as governor. She took over for the remaining part of his term and then got elected to her own term in her own right just this past year in November of 2022. The fallout from a damaging report found that Governor Andrew Cuomo sexually harassed 11 women widened on Monday when Roberta A. Kaplan, a nationally prominent lawyer with ties to the governor, resigned from Time's Up, the organization founded by Hollywood women to fight sexual abuse and promote gender equality. Miss Kaplan, the chairwoman of Time's Up and the co-founder of its legal defense fund, was one of several prominent figures whom the report found to be involved in an effort to discredit one of Mr. Cuomo's alleged victims. And that is Lindsay Boland, by the way, that they're referring to. And she has continuing, she meaning Roberta Kaplan, has continuing legal ties to a former Cuomo aide accused of leading that effort. Quote, unfortunately, recent events have made it clear that even our apparent allies in the fight to advance women can turn out to be abusers. Quote, Miss Kaplan wrote in a letter submitting her resignation from the group. We have felt the raw, personal and profound pain of that betrayal. She said that her work as a practicing lawyer meant that she could not openly answer questions about her involvement with Mr. Cuomo or Melissa DeRosa, the aide to the governor, whom Ms. Kaplan represented in the attorney general inquiry. Ms. DeRosa, who investigators said had led the efforts against Ms. Boland, that's Lindsay Boland, announced her resignation from the Cuomo administration on Sunday. She believed the governor no longer had a path to remain in office and she did not want to continue to publicly support him. According to two people familiar with her thinking. 
The report from the state attorney general's office found that Miss Kaplan had reviewed a draft of a disparaging op-ed letter that was aimed at attacking the character of Lindsay Bolan, a former Cuomo aide who was the first to publicly accuse him of sexual harassment. There you go. See? See? Do you hear? Do you hear? By the way, Lindsay spelled L-I-N-D-S-E-Y. Follow her on Twitter. She's very, she's a really nice person. I really respect her. And she's a decent, she really is a nice, I mean, I've not met her personally. She's a nice person. I don't know, she may even listen to the podcast once in a while. But I think she's a really good person. And she speaks truth. And you can tell when someone's being authentic and real. And, and I sense that she is such a person. Here, here's the thing. This gets messy, doesn't it? When you are in circles of power long enough, you're involved long enough in the way that things are connected in the rich and powerful, in the land of the up and ups and the muckety mucks. If you're around long enough, you start to get your own self dirty. The trick is to avoid getting dirty. And you wouldn't have known that Roberta Kaplan had had any ties to actually making it harder for people who alleged sexual harassment for getting the claim or doing what they needed to do. She was involved in that. So two things can be true at once. You can defend, or I should say, you can represent, let me say, E. Jean Carroll in her civil suit against a rapist named you-know-who. And at the same time, just a year and a half ago, you can be the same Roberta Kaplan, right? Who, almost two years ago now, who actually was... Actively involved. God, dear, damn. She, I mean, you can be the same person who defends or has ties to a governor who's a sexual harasser. See how dirty it gets? It's dirty, mate. It's repulsive. And if you dug into some of these institutions, oh, oh, the filth, the muck. Oh, it's just enough to make you want to shower for the rest of your life, nonstop. I mean, involved in an effort to discredit Lindsay Bolin. Well, this is Miss Kaplan. This is Roberta Kaplan, who is defending. I keep saying defending. Who is, who is representing Eugene Carroll against the same kind of abuse? And there she is on national TV. She's on this program and that program. They're all calling her Robbie. I get it. That's her name. She likes to be called Robbie when people who know her call her Robbie. And in fact, on her website, that's how she goes. Robbie. You can read Robbie Kaplan has been involved in some of the most legal, important legal developments of the recent years. Robbie has been concerned. She is one of the best litigators in the country, mate. She is. And I don't want to use the word top women, top litigators, period, male or female, mate. She, she is one of the very best. I Look, I know I don't know her personally, but I know of who she is. She has a strong reputation, very positive reputation. But again, that is an example. The article I just read a portion of entitled Roberta Kaplan, who aided Cuomo resigns from Time's Up. That's the kind of thing. You get dirty like this. You get involved with these people, these powerful people like Andrew Cuomo, who's a piece of garbage. And there you go. 
Sometimes you get a little dirty. Sometimes. Sometimes. I mean, you can get dirty, but as long as you shower afterwards, right? Well, depends on what kind of dirt we're talking about. But again, dear listener, this is the thing, right? So this is not a straight line. No, 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 no. Right? You can praise Roberta Kaplan. And you can also say, God, what was she doing trying to make life harder for Lindsey Bowen? Ties to the governor. Ties to an aide that she was representing or defending. Yeah, it gets messy. Not a trace of that mentioned on Morning Joe this morning during the 15 minutes I played you. Oh, no. You didn't hear anything about that? Nope. Not a single dicky bird. Nothing. You didn't hear anything about, oh, but by the way, Roberta Kaplan, who a year and a half ago, two years ago, um, had to resign from Time's Up because, you know, she uh, had ties to the governor of New York at the time, Cuomo, and, you know, uh, represented an aide who had been um, really heavily involved in stifling Lindsey Bowen and her accusations of sexual harassment once she went public with them bravely and boldly, as Lindsey Bowen did. And all of a sudden now, that doesn't even get mentioned by the corporate news media, does it now? But I guarantee you, if that was a black attorney, oh, that's a black woman representing their clients, you know they'd be mentioning all that stuff. Oh, and she did this and she did that. Case in freaking point. Alton Maddox, a New York attorney, prominent New York attorney, a black man, passed away a week or two ago, right? He was one of the attorneys involved in the case of Tawana Brawley. Now, there is enough out there now, and listen, um, where it was found, apparently, it was, a fa- it was found that, quote-unquote, Tawana Brawley was being untruthful with her allegations, that they were supposedly made up, Right? And Reverend Sharpton stood, Al Sharpton, that Reverend Sharpton stood back from those from representing her and stood back away from that. Alton Maddox, I'm not so sure, did. But let me tell you, in every freaking obituary writer, all the obits, all the obituaries around Alton Maddox a week or two ago, they all mentioned that case. They all freaking mentioned, oh, Tawana Brooke. In fact, some of them mentioned that solely. You would have thought he never did anything else in terms of representing people. He was very effective. Oh, they mentioned him. You know, now he's six feet under. Oh, now let's, let's talk about Tawana Brawley. Use that as a cudgel. And I guarantee you, had Alton Maddox been around today and he was representing someone, particularly if it was a black woman, I guarantee you, those folks on Morning Joe, they would have wasted no... And he won a victory like Robbie Kaplan did. I guarantee you, he would... Uh, but the folks at the Morning Joe, they would be all over him about, well, yes, you know, by the way, you did represent someone who was found to have falsely, uh, falsely stated that she was attacked and raped and abused. Uh, that would have been the first thing out of their mouths. Come on now. You know I'm not joking. You know I'm dead serious. Why would I joke about stuff like this? It's not a laughing matter. But you know the story. You know how the story goes in this country. And it's a racist, anti-black racist story. It's an anti-black racist story. It's an anti-Native American, an anti-Asian story. It's an anti-female story. It's an anti-LGBTQIA story. But it is an anti-black story. 
in this context. Just thought I would drop that nugget in there for you around Roberta Kaplan. Fine attorney, one of the brilliant attorneys that the country has here in the U.S. But we just got to be honest about that. People in power get dirty sometimes. And she's powerful. She is. She's a top-notch. She's a really strong litigator. She is. She is. But I like context because context is important. We all have to be better here, but men especially do. We are the ones who have to stand up and speak out. And again, as I said earlier, don't let it be because you have a daughter. Don't let that be the reason. Let it be because you as an individual, as a human being, as a male human being, actually want to see this end and want men to stop doing this and want to stand up and make a point to do that and educate men and boys. Don't look at your daughters. Look at your sons. Dear listener, follow me on Twitter at the popcorn R-E-E-L. And also, of course, on Spatible, S-P-O-U-T-I-B-L-E dot com forward slash popcorn R-E-E-L. Please do that. We'll be really appreciated. I'm in a lot of other places on social media as well, but I really don't want to. Waste my time or yours talking about that. I will look. You can look. I'm I'm in. Uh, I'm on post. I'm on Mastodon. And so there we go. Look, uh, the bottom line. Okay, don't forget to uh, patronize the Politocrat Daily Podcast online store, the dash Politocrat dot myshopify dot com, and the YouTube channel as well, the Politocrat Daily Podcast YouTube channel. This podcast, of course, please subscribe, download, spread the word to your friends, to your family. Thank you very much indeed for being here today and listening. And whenever you listen, thank you. Thank you very much for listening to this edition of The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore. <laughs>